بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا ما بعد respected elders and brothers dear students and beloved listeners السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته الحمد لله we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for blessing us this gathering again uh, to be able to sit in his house at a time when not everyone gets this opportunity at a time to sit in a gathering of ilm when this also not everyone is gifted with, uh, with this gift and the fact that our heart yearns to be here is a huge gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, it's not, we may think it's natural but it's not natural you may think of your own life how many instances in the past when you were invited to a gathering of this sort, your heart said no. And today your heart said yes. And why was that? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted you, that's why. It's nothing, no, no greatness belongs to myself or yourself. Everyone is here because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hand cho- chooses us to be pre- present for any type of dini gathering. And so our, uh, thank, our thanks should be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, number one. Number two, many of us are here because of a group of friends. We're here because uh, our sibling, our friend, our, our, someone in our family texted us, messaged us, or brought us here. So the second person after we thank Allah should be those group of friends because of whom we are present here. Almost all of us are here because of some good influence in our life. And the type of people we hang out with, the type of people we spend time with, that is the type of Jazba desire intentions we'll have if you stick around with people who are more inclined towards the deen Then that's the direction you'll be going towards and if we hang out with people who don't have that Then they'll take us in every direction besides that that of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So we owe it to those people you might be saying well today. I came here completely on my own No one encouraged me now the fact that you even feel desire to be in the house of Allah It's because of some background work that took place on you Somewhere in, in five years ago, two years ago, a year ago, somewhere someone spoke with you or someone has spoken in the past. Because of their efforts, we're sitting here today. So we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then we thank our parents, our teachers and our good friends who have facilitated our coming here today. As we are reading through Surah Al-Ahzab and we, last week we completed the uh, Ayah 24. Insha'Allah we'll start from Ayah 25 today and go till the end of the juz, which is another five, six ayats, and maybe even do the first ayah of the second juz, the juz 22nd, inshaAllah. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Waraddallahu alladheena kafaru bighaydihim lam yanalu khayra, wa kafallahu almu'mineen alqital, wa kana allahu qawiyyan azizah. وَأَنزَلَ الَّذِينَ ظَاهَرُوهُمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ مِنْ صَيَاصِيهِمْ وَقَذَفَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الرُّعْبِ فَرِيقًا تَقْتُلُونَ وَتَأْسِرُونَ فَرِيقًا وَأَوْرَثَكُمْ أَرْضَهُمْ وَدِيَارَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ وَأَرْضًا لَمْ تَطَأُوهَا وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرًا يا ايها النبي قل لازواجك ان كنتن تردن الحياه الدنيا وزينتها فتعالين فتعالين امتعكن واسرحكن سراحا جميلا 
وإن كنتن تردن الله ورسوله والدار الآخرة فإن الله فإن الله أعد للمحسنات منكن أجرا عظيما يا نساء النبي من يأت منكن بفاحشة مبينة يضاعف لها العذاب يضاعف لها العذاب ضعفين وكان ذلك على الله يسيرا ومن يقنت منكن لله ورسوله وتعمل صالحا نؤتها أجرها مرتين نؤتها أجرها مرتين وأعتدنا لها رزقا كريما الله عز وجل in the 24th uh, ayah he mentions or 25th rather ورد الله الذين كفروا this is the end of the, uh, the final ayat of the end of uh, the incident of Khandaq and uh, the Battle of Ahzab that's been, that we've been covering for the past um, few weeks. كفروا, thus it was Allah alone who turned back those federated clans. بغيضهم, consumed in their own rage. Allah alone is the one who turned back those federated collected clans who were disbelievers. بغيضهم, consumed in their own rage. لم ينالوا خيرا. They came to no good. They were not able to achieve their mission. وكف الله المؤمنين القتال. Thus Allah did relieve the believers from fighting. Allah relieved the believers from fighting. وكان الله قويا عزيزا. And Allah is ever powerful, overpowering. He is all powerful, overpowering. وأنزل الذين ظهرهم. And moreover, He brought those down. He brought them down. From the very ramparts of the people of the scripture, those people who were hiding in their uh, uh, forts, the Yahuda Banu Qurayza, Allah is speaking about them. Moreover, He brought those down from the very ramparts of the people of the scripture, meaning the Jews, who in treason, they broke the covenants that they had made with the Prophet, who in treason supported the non Muslims, federated clans, meaning the Jews who supported the outsiders, Ghatfan and Quraysh, etc., who came from Mecca. These insiders, they backstabbed the Prophet ﷺ. They broke the alliances. And they made an alliance with the disbelievers to eradicate Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they, who in treason supported the federated clans who had come to them. What did Allah do to them? Allah hurled horror into their hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala filled their hearts with horror, with fear. فَرِقًا تقتلون. Right, some of them you believers killed, meaning from these Banu Qarida, and some of them you captured. Thus he allowed you to become inheritors of their land. and their dwellings. and all of their wealth. You became inheritors of it. They were they were exiled and you became owners of all of that. And moreover, Allah has promised you another land of theirs, of Khaybar, which you have never before trotted yet. This is going to happen a few years later. Allah is already giving them the glad tidings. That a, a, a land you haven't seen yet will come into your hands soon. Allah is already giving this amazing prophecy of it. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful over everything. This is where the Ahzab, the story of Ahzab ends. Then the next section, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mediating an issue between the Prophet and his wives. Where they saw that there's so much 
so many, uh, you know, spoils of war are coming. Lands are being conquered. So now the standard of living at home needs to be a little bit higher than what it was before. We can't always be, you know, living on such meager means. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mean, they asked for more money. And the Prophet sallallahu said, I don't have. And I feel, I feel bad to say no. I feel bad to, 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 to have to say no to you. But why you should be intelligent enough and be cognizant of my feelings to never ask for something which I don't have, which would then make me feel guilty and make me feel not so nice that I'm not able to provide for you. And secondly, that goes against the method of lifestyle that I want to lead as a prophet. So, Ya Ayyuhal Nabi, Allah says, O Prophet Sallallahu Say to your wives, admonish them. Say to them, In kuntunna turidna al-hayat al-dunya. If it is the plenteous life of this world, if you want the plentiful life of this world, wazinataha and adornment, if that's what you want, fata'alayna, then come. Umatti'akunna, I shall make provisions for you. I shall give you from somewhere or another, I'll give you what you want. Then, وَأُسَرِّحْكُنَّ صَرَاحًا جَمِيلًا And then I will release you with a most gracious release. Meaning from my marriage. I will release you from my marriage in a nice manner after giving you all that you want. وَإِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ اللَّهِ However, if you choose and you favor Allah and His Messenger, that's what you want. وَالدَّارَ الْآخِرَةِ And you want the abode of the hereafter. فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ then remember, indeed Allah, indeed Allah has prepared for those of you who excel in doing good, ajran azima, a magnificent reward. Ya Nisa and Nabi, O wives of the Prophet, if any of you, man yati bin kun, if any of you were to ever commit fahishatim mubayyina, a flagrant indecency, a very open, lewd act, sin, yudaf laha al-adabu dafain. Remember your torment will be multiplied twofold. The sin will be twice, and the punishment will be twice for any of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ who do any act of, any major sin. And that for Allah is so easy to do, to change who gets what, how much reward, how much punishment. This is where the juice ends. But each and every one of you who remains devoutly obedient to Allah and His Messenger, and who does righteous deeds, to her shall we give her reward two times that of other women. So the punishment is twice, double, and the reward is also double. Thus we have prepared a generous provision in the hereafter. So this is the section inshallah we're covering today. Two incidents that took place, two powerful incidents that took place in, in the Khandaq. I've been sharing a lot of stories from Khandaq in the past weeks. Um, another two incidents I'd like to share today. One is the Islam of uh, Nu'aym ibn Mas'ud uh, uh, Nu'aym ibn Mas'ud, very intelligent person from the Quraysh. He finds himself outside of Medina, holed up, you know, in this uh, battle against the Muslims, surrounded by his comrades at, from Mecca and from the tribe of Ghatfan. And he started having a very interesting, he's very intelligent. But you see, that's how intelligence is. Intelligence, wallahi, is a double-edged sword. Some of the most intelligent people become the most uh, closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Bukhari, Imam Tirmidhi, Imam Ahmad, Imam Hanifa, when you read their stories, you realize these people had beyond IQ of what you see today. They were exceptionally intelligent people. And their intelligence, they were allow, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed them to use their intelligence to get His closeness. Right? So, but those 
then at times people have the intelligence and they don't use that. They don't use the intelligence appropriately. And what happens to them? They actually end up asfalus safilin. They become lowest of the law. So you know when sometimes a person says that, Bhai, I'm smart. Don't worry, leave me. I got it. I got this taken care of. What you don't understand that what this, you know, that, that intelligence is what has made the worst people you know, what do you think, Hitler was not smart? Mussolini was not smart? All these people are very intelligent. But the reason they caused so much harm to themselves and to the ummah was because they misused us. It's like the massive caterpillar bulldozer that you've got. It, you can build a beautiful home, build a masjid with that. At the same time, if it comes into the wrong hands, then a very well perfected home can be destroyed within minutes. That is what the brain is. We have to ensure that this brain is chained up properly. And we see today, I had this conversation recently with some, you know, mashallah, some students who came here during the retreat. And after a you know, conversation, I realized, alhamdulillah, very intelligent, going to some amazing, you know, some of the best universities of the, of, of the country and very beautiful, amazing programs. And I asked one of them, I said, why did you choose specifically this program, which is so hard, and in this university? And the answer he gave was that I just have a really amazing gifted brain and I want to challenge myself. You know, I, I got this brain, I want to use it to do something amazing. So what I explained to that youngster, and I'm explaining to the many youth, mashallah, who are sitting here today, and adults as well, is that our brain is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You only, you only, there's no other gift like that. There is no other gift. And this is what separates us from all other makhluk of Allah. This brain, the angels don't have. This brain, the animals don't have. This brain, the plants don't have. Even though every single thing in the heavens and the earth, they prostrate to Allah and they worship Allah, and they do tasbih of Allah as mentioned in the Qur'an. However, the, uh, the aql that Allah has given the human being, no one has this. No one has this aql. And it's a double-edged sword. You can reach a'la al-illiyin, you can reach asfal al-safilin. You can go above the angels, you can go below the worst of the worst. Yani subhanAllah, you become a shaitan yourself that you don't even need an external shaitan to help you. You will teach shaitan tricks. Right? This is shayateen al-insi wal-jinn, as the Qur'an speaks about. The shayateen amongst the humans. But what I was mentioning to this youngster, and I, I mentioned to all these young brothers sitting here with me, is that value the intelligence that Allah has given you. Most of us think that in order to do the work of deen, what do I need? What? Money. Everyone, you ask me. Another, another brother was with him. I said, what are you planning to do? I said, X, Y, Z, he said. I said, why? He said, because I want to serve Allah. I want to serve the deen. I said, how does this help serve? He said, no, I want to make money with this. After I make money with this, I'm going to do great things. This is taqreeban, the mindset of everyone today. That in order to do the work of deen, you need money. All the brothers in the back, if you, all could, if you need to lean against the wall, alhamdulillah, there's wall space over here. But I would love for you to sit in the gathering instead of sitting so far away. You know, mashallah, anything you need, come over here. We can get gaddas from next week too. No problem, you know. But just come close. You boys as well, please. Come, come closer. You, the gathering is where this is happening. Not the, otherwise, my voice is heard in the courtyard too. You know, alhamdulillah. And live streaming too. Brothers in the back, come closer inshallah, please. So uh, I said, this, this is the mindset that people think in order to serve Islam, you need money. And hence the next 10 years, I'm going to go to college to do a specific type of field of study. So then after that, I'm going to start earning money. And after I've risen, I've earned the money at least 20 years. 10 years of studies, 10 years of earning. 20 years from today, inshallah, I'll serve the deen. By that, we don't know if our bones will have disintegrated in the soil or what. We don't know if we'll still remain a Muslim or not. We don't know what will happen to the world outside. We don't know if Dajjal is going to be around. We don't know what's going to happen. This is wishful thinking, which the Islam does not ask you to do. Islam does not say if you're poor, go become rich and then serve the deen. 
you don't understand that, we need to understand that Islam is for all of us. No matter what state you are, no one is saying, go try to get something that you don't have to serve Islam. That's not the way it works. Instead, whatever situation Allah has put you in, serve Islam through that situation. So one thing that, mashallah, we all have is aql. Everyone here, we have different degrees of it, you know, but we all have aql. If you start thinking that, let me just use my aql for the deen, let me start using my intelligence to see how can I come up with ways of connecting people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? There's people here who have great graphic skills. There's people here who are great journalists. There's people here who are, who are great, you know, uh, what you call uh, orators. There's people here who are great IT skills. There's people here who are great cooks. I don't know. What have you got? All sorts of different talents. If, if, if you use your talent and to serve the deen, amazing things will happen. Okay, and that's what I was trying to explain to him that wallahi your intelligence your aql that you have as this youngster that you want to go do this program that's worth millions of dollars every single what did Google and, and, and all this we don't want to name companies where did this all start from they, didn't, they started from intelligent people sitting in their garage thinking about something yeah they were intelligent people who came and now they are multi-billion trillion dollar companies that is the value of aql you cannot put a price tag on it it's too much all of the major corporations of this world all of the major inventions of this world, major or minor, all start off with aql. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا And Allah will inspire it. Allah will inspire that aql with, uh, you know, uh, with the good and the bad. That's why the ulama of Sirah say, Rasulullah sallallahu was aql in nas, the most intelligent. I mean, I don't have the words, what the, the ashab of Sirah mentioned, Allahu Akbar, describing Rasulullah as aql. Like basically that you put the entire intelligence of every single human being and jinn put together and you, you compare it to, with the aql intelligence of Rasulullah he was the most intelligent. The Prophet not only received revelation, was the most beautiful, most handsome, most amazing, but remember that he, there was no one more intelligent than him. And this, the, the, the way he raised this ummah, the way he, he, he utilized his intelligence that Allah gave him, Allahu Akbar, from siyasa, madaniya, how he controlled you know, how he, how, he, how he was a statesman, how he was a general in the army, how he used what we later, later on call psychology, you know, to understand people and to be able to choose people for the right position and understand the politics between different tribes and different people. This doesn't come just like that. That's amazing intelligence he had along with wisdom and along with wahi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. So what we need to do, my beloved brothers, is start using the intelligence that we have for the deen. And you see, I, I get amazed when I meet young brothers who started up small business, startups, and now using the intelligence today in stock markets and Bitcoin and all sorts of stuff, right? You can't be fooled. If, you, if you're a fool and you try to get your hands into this, you're going to lose your dad's car by tomorrow, yeah? You'll be kicked out of the house by tomorrow night. You're going you're gonna to get your dad's all the finances in there and by tomorrow night you'll be on the street. So in order to do any of these things, good or bad, halal or haram business, you need intelligence. When was the last time we thought, Ya Allah, I've got perfect score, almost perfect score in SAT. I took APs, I'm an A student. But guess what? I didn't, I didn't run around 200 laps to be able to get this. I didn't eat like a bottles and bottles of vitamins to get this. I didn't do 300 push-ups a day to get this. Yeah? Aql came to me from Allah. What did you do to earn your aql? What did you do to earn your intelligence? Zero, nothing. You didn't choose and dictate your genes. That aql came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the way we're using our aql to make money, the way we use aql to market our business, the way we use our aql to, do, to, to, get our, to find a deal online for XYZ thing, why don't we start using our aql to see how can I get XYZ into the masjid? Simple thing I'm going to tell you. For your, you know, how to use your aql. That these are a group of friends I have. 
They don't come to the masjid. They don't come to the tafsir. Let me use my aql to figure out how can I get him here. That is how you use your deen. This is how you use your aql. To think what way can I grab them and get them, get them to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How often have we used our aql for that? To think how we can get people connected to the masjid who are not. This is the biggest thing, my dear friends. I'm going to say this again and again. Our biggest problem right now is getting people back to the masjids. Weddings are packed. I just went to a wedding recently, post-COVID wedding. Packed. All the banquet halls are packed. Ask the caterers. They're overburdened with, with orders. 800, 900,000. SubhanAllah, everything, all the flights are overbooked. Any flight you take, they're giving you a voucher for giving up your seat. Every flight I've taken in the past three, four weeks. Every single flight, voucher, voucher. Not, you know, because why they're overbooked. The place that is empty is the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to start using our aql to get that. Second thing is, you know, to become a professional, to earn X amount of money, that's fine. But you're not getting the best bang for your buck. Use your aql along with that to see how can you study ilm. And with ilm, you will free the people from the shackles of their nafs. Free the people from the shackles of shaitan. Knowledge rules. Knowledge rules. That's knowledge of deen rules, knowledge of dunya rules. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. The people of Iman and the people who have been given knowledge, Allah says, I'm going to raise their status. Raise their status not only in the akhirah, raise their status in the dunya as well. Who, the, the nikah has to take place by the qadi, by the imam sahab. Who comes? The only poor people come. The wealthiest person, he's driving the wealthiest car, subhanAllah. He has to also come, says, oh, I need my daughter's nikah, I need my nikah. He'll sit there in front of the qadi, he'll sit there in front of the imam, get his daughter's nikah done or his, you know, whatnot. Issue of talaq, Allah forbid, comes about. He's going to come. Ilm is something that will bring the, the biggest of the biggest to your feet. And this is why one of the khulafa, when he was doing tawaf, you know, he was doing tawaf and he saw if one of the freed slaves who had become an alama, he was sitting there, with his back towards the Kaaba. And this Mawla, who was a freed slave, he was sitting there, from the, I'm talking about the era of the Tab'a Tabi'een. And the, the Khalifa is doing Tawaf and he sees, oh, what's this line? Like you go see it somewhere, a big line. They, what is this line? They said, oh, he, this is a line of people waiting to ask the question from the Shaykh, the Mawlana, who is, who, he's, you know, who's got his back to the Kaaba, and the long line. He said, who is this? When he found out that he was a freed slave, and he said, subhanAllah, this is why I tell my sons, the princes, that you need to study ilm. You could be the king, but you're never going to have what he has. He came to, what happens? Because you, when you come to ask a question, the back of the line is there, go. Sorry, we have a line here. You want, you're the khalifa, no problem. Get to the back of the line to ask your question. So he said, this is what I tell my sons, the princes, that you need to go study ilm. Because ilm rules. Ilm rules. This is, if you have ilm, you can help people. With, if you have ilm, you get everything. So my humble advice to all our listeners is to use your intelligence in the highest return, which is study ilm. Study ilm, study the deen. You study qiraat, you study hadith, you'll realize this is not for ulu people. You know, people who are fools. People sometimes say, I want to study X, Y, Z because I want to challenge myself. Come and sit in the library and challenge yourself. Come and study, you know, come and study... Qiraat or ilm al-hadith or ilm al-rijal And you will push yourself, your head will hurt Right, you'll say, my God, I didn't even realize This is how deep this stuff is So this is the gist of what I want to say here Is that uh, The gift of value, the gift of aql And use that for the service of deen Do not think you need to have money first Money will come Instead, guess what, if you have aql You will take the people who have money And who are spending it in haram 
And you use your aql to figure out how you can divert their money that's been spent in haram and just divert it towards halal. Without even earning a cent, you could become a multimillionaire. What do I mean by that? Someone who's spending millions in haram or not spending anywhere, you go motivate him, use knowledge and hikmah and wisdom to change the direction of his life. Now, 10 million a year he's investing in halal. You didn't earn one dollar, hence you don't have to give hisab. And yet you're getting the reward of 10 million being spent in good. What do you think? Smart, right? Otherwise, every single cent you earn, you have to give hisab. Abdul Rahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu, yes, he was the best of the best. He spent his money where? He couldn't be spending it in any better place. He spent it on who? On the wives of the Prophet after, they passed, after he passed away. Yet when, some, when he was seen in a dream, he was crawling, sweating. He says, everyone else has gone ahead of me. I'm the, one of the last people to get there. Because why? The money you earn, you have to give hisab. You have to, you have to give judgment on it. What's the easiest way? Look at the people who have already wealth. Work on their hearts so that their money, instead of being spent in haram, gets spent in halal. So we go back to Naim bin Mas'ud. He was an intelligent person. This is where we started off from. He used his intelligence in a proper manner. He said, why am I sitting here fighting with Muhammad وسلم, who's doing a good job in Madinah? Why, why did I leave Mecca to come here? I don't have a real reason. Has he done any harm to me? Has he fought with me? Has he killed my children? No, why am I sitting here? Just because I'm with a bunch of non-Muslim friends who want to do this, they've got an agenda. What's my agenda? So he was smart. He had this conversation with himself. And he realized that there's no reason for him to be here. This is in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know how you have people who defect from the army? When they realize that this is a lost cause, there's no reason for us to be attacking such, such and such country. So what happened? He defected from the non-Muslim army. And through so many difficult barriers, barriers, he eventually got into the Muslim ranks. He comes in the night. And he, he comes in front of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ looks at him. He says, Nu'aym bin Mas'ud. And he said, Naam ya Rasulullah. The Prophet ﷺ said, What brought you to us at this hour? How did you even cross through the enemy lines to get over here? How did you come here? He said, I came here to bear witness that indeed you are that there's none worthy worship but Allah and that you are Allah's messenger and his slave and that what you have brought is the ultimate truth and then he said Ya Rasulullah لَقَدْ أَسْلَمْتْ I become a Muslim my nation is unaware of my Islam tell me what you want me to do I'm at your service as soon as he accepted Islam he's like I'm, a, I'm an arrow in your quiver shoot me as you wish my dear friends he was a kafir Listen to this story. He was out there to kill the Prophet and the Sahaba in the worst, biggest battle the Muslims ever faced. And look, how long does it take to change your life? One minute. And no one should think, oh brother, I've, I've got too much baggage. Can you have more bigger baggage than Nu'aym and Mas'ud? How instantaneously, as soon as he decided to give up his baggage, it takes one second to do control alt delete It takes one second to do master reset. Factory reset. How long does that take? You press the button 10 for 10 seconds, factory reset begins. That's it. You don't have to manually delete things. So as soon as a person makes the niyyah that I'm restarting my life, you can immediately start your journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with afterburners, real fast. So he was in the right place at the right time. Naim Mas'ud told Rasulullah sallallahu I'm ready. The Prophet sallallahu began to use what? His what? His aql, intelligence. Not to say, let's go bring me some cup of chai here. You know, 
you know, let's, let's, let's you can sit here and fix the shoes. Or, no, the man, let's use him for what he can be used for. That's aql. To know who should be placed where. This guy, he just came as a new Muslim. He's such a, a, a powerful personality. We have to use him. This type of intelligence, not all of us are gifted with. So let's ask Allah for this niyyah. I remember as a student in madrasa, I never understood the decisions that my teachers would take. I never did. Many times. And maybe Allah forgive me, I may have even criticized internally. Why is my ustad doing this? Why is my principal doing this? Right? Because we're 18, 20 year olds. We didn't have that faham. We didn't have the depth. We didn't see the world. And now that we're on this side of the fence, subhanAllah, we end up doing the very same things that our principals and our teachers did. And these same thoughts crossed my mind. No wonder the students are going to criticize me or not understand me. Because I was like them 20 years ago. Same situation. You don't see what we see. We're not on this side. And so the decisions that you make are, are based on so much data, so much information, and a lot of sifting through the intelligence and, the, and, and inshallah, hikmah that Allah gives you with the mashara of those who are around you. And you make decisions that someone who is not there in, the, in life yet, hasn't reached there, will never understand that, will never appreciate that. Instead, will criticize that. So one thing I've learned is not criticize your elders, not to criticize your teachers, not to criticize your parents. Many times, they will do things that make no sense to you. But that's the whole point. Inshallah, when you get there, you'll understand that. At the moment, have your trust that they're not out there to, you know, destroy your world or to destroy the world. Instead, they're doing something, inshallah, which, which there's hikmah in there. MashaAllah. Uh, you know, our Ustad Hazrat Mufti Radha Haq as an Allama, Allama as he is, uh, one of the most uh, knowledgeable people of the world in, in, terms, in terms of fiqh and faqaha, in, in our Bukhari dars, he would, he, would, he would give an explanation of hadith. He would say, Fulan Shaykh said this, Ibn Hajar, for example, said this, Aini said this. He would even go over all the way to Shaykh Zakri al Kandil, he said this. And then he would have a different explanation, right? He would give it his explanation. And sometimes you could see very clearly that what one of our sh recent shuyukh who passed away, let's say in the 80s and 90s, for example, had said was, ah, it doesn't really seem to fit the hadith. It's pretty obvious. But the way he would say it, you know, he would say, faqir ki raiye hai, right? He would say, faqir, call himself faqir, right? Faqir is raiye is this. The opinion of faqir is this. After mentioning like 10 opinions or 8 opinions. And some of them, it would seem that, okay, what Fulan Sheikh said was definitely does not apply to this hadith. But subhanAllah, the way he would say it, he would say it like this, Hazrat Shaykh ki baat, hum, humko samaj mein nahi aati hai. Shayad uski haqiqat hume samaj mein nahi aati, al-faqeed al-batayyeh kehta hai. He would say, Shaykh Zakir, what he says, we're not able to understand it. I'm not able to understand it. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't want to be disrespectful. He would say, I don't understand it, this is what I think the answer is. Meaning, he's not saying it's wrong. He's saying probably he meant to say something, I'm not intelligent enough to understand that. Okay? Apparently, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not going to say he's wrong. I'm not going to say, you know, what he said is incorrect. I'm instead look at the adab he's using. That he, the depth of what he was saying, I wasn't able to comprehend. And uh, in, it was a famous thing in our Bukhari class. You know, I'll tell you about Mufti Radha al-Haq and about ulama. I would say, you know, you ask the people, uh, you know, how is class? And they say, oh, great man. I love the Bukhari dars. And I'm telling you as a, you know, as a student of his, I would say 95%, 90% of the class didn't even understand what he's taught. Like I would tell them whatever, I wouldn't tell them this, but basically whatever you think he said is definitely not what he said. You're enjoying it, enjoy, keep on enjoying, no problem. 
But your level of understanding is so shallow. What level he speaks? He's speaking in isharat. Just isharat. Just he is throwing, you know, uh, alluding to various things. If you, and you think he's speaking about this. Whatever you think he's speaking about, it's not what he's speaking about. It's speaking to a much, much higher degree and alluding to things. If you don't have that background knowledge, you have absolutely no idea what he's speaking about. But, but no one would say, I don't understand. Or a few would say, maybe. Majority would say, mashallah, amazing dars. Inside my heart, I would say, not, what ama amazing that's fine, but you have no idea. Because the guys who actually would understand, we'd sit and argue over so long over what did Mufti Sahib say about this. Then we'd go sit and speak to him after Asr or after Isha and realize many times that what we understood was completely wrong. You know, but that's just how it is. Talking about aql, subhanAllah, you have to meet the likes of him to realize what real intelligence is. You know, and that this deen, again, I'll go back to this issue of this. Deen right now does not need money. Money is a need, okay, it's not the big thing. What we need, my dear boys, and my, since the majority of you are college students, we need intelligent people. Imam Shafi'i, rahimahumullah, he talks about the six sifat of ilm. Is that right? Six attributes of ilm. Okay? You'll learn it, inshallah, in you know, some of your classes. What's the first one? Dhaka'un. The first thing Imam Shafi'i says is intelligence. The first thing you need for scholarship and for knowledge is intelligence. So Ustad was teaching Nahu lesson first day. You know, all of you study a little bit Nahu and grammar, you know how it works. So he said, bye. Uh, the, the, you know, let's learn the fa'il, fa'il, and maful. Okay, the verb, the adverb, and the doer. He wrote on the board, Daraba Zaidun Amran, Zaid hit Amr. Daraba verb, fa'il, right, Dr. Sam? Zaidun, fa'il, that's why it's marfu'ul, dhamma. And Amran, it's got fathatain because it's marfu'ul. Ustad, said, bhai, what's wrong? He said, bhai, Zaid ni Amar ko kyu mara? Why did Zaid hit Amar? He said, bhai, Zaid did not hit Amar. Then why did you say he did? He said, because this is an example of giving. He said, acha, jis, jis dars ki iftida jhoot se hoti hai, mujhe wo ilm nahi padna hai, mein to ja raho. He said, that knowledge which begins with a lie, I don't need to study this. You just lied the first day of class. Daraba Zaid ni Amar, you say he didn't hit? And, and you're still saying that if this knowledge begins with lying. I'm a good Muslim brother. I don't lie. Al-mu'minu la yagdib. Mu'min doesn't lie. He walked out. What is this? This is called the absence of, of, of intelligence. Our Ustad, another joke he would tell us. He said, by we tell, Ustad told the students, please ask questions. And that's true. We should ask questions. They say two people can never gain knowledge. One is an arrogant person and one is a shy person. If you're shy or you're arrogant, you're not going to get knowledge. Don't be shy and don't be arrogant. Ask so the talaba heard this, he said, Mashallah, we have to ask Ustad, we gotta impress the Ustad. You know, we have to ask questions. So the next day, Ustad was speaking Kitab al-Sawm, explaining Kitab al-Sawm, explaining the definition of fasting, and how it goes from dawn to, to sunset. You stay away from the muftirat al the three things, etc. Immediately, the, the, the person, you know, he just wanted to ask questions, he raised his hand. He said, Bhai, what's your question? He said, what, what about if a day the sun doesn't set? Then how long are you supposed to fast still? If the sun doesn't set, then what? He said, Bhai, from now on tomorrow, I give exception for you. You do not have to ask any questions. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> right? This is a bigger problem. So, uh, intelligence is necessary for ilm. So those students and elders and college students especially, if you feel that Allah has given, gifted you with intelligence, regard yourself as a millionaire with a very expensive house and a very expensive car and lots of stocks and you're sitting listening to my talk and I'm fundraising. What would you feel like? Brother, subhanAllah, I'm sitting amongst brothers who are earning hourly. I'm, and myself, alhamdulillah, I have two, three million in the account. They're asking to build this orphanage, this masjid. How much are these guys gonna give? I have. Come on, let me write a $100,000 check. 
Don't you feel, if I put yourself in a situation that you're sitting on five million and you're sitting amongst day laborers, wouldn't you feel like, what are these guys gonna do, man? I gotta give it, let me give. Same thing, if you are intelligent and you're able to get yourself into an Ivy League school, a dental school, a medical school, or you know, mashallah, you've done really good in high school, you are a millionaire. Don't just use your millions to buy, you buy your yacht. Don't use your aql just to make tons of money. Instead, use your aql for deen. Do you understand that, what I'm saying? Use your intelligence because that's what, when I'm speaking about Hazrat Mufti Sahab. When you go ask him, pose him question, Shaykh, the Mustashriqeen, the Orientalists, they criticize this hadith. They criticize this ayat of the Quran. He's not living in America. He's never visited America and Canada. I want all of you to make sincere dua that Allah brings him here. Say Ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open up the doors of his visa miraculously for him to be able to visit us and inshallah bless all of us with his presence inshallah. So he hasn't come here, but if you ask him this question and you just sit, you will be baffled by the answers he gives. Baffled. You see, how does a man who's never been to America, never read, he never, doesn't read English, how does he come with these answers like this? Two things. One is super duper intelligence and number two is ilham. You know, inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Aql and ilham. To get ilham, you have to do tazkiyatun nafs. You really have to work on purifying yourself and then you, and Allah gives it to you. It's a wahhabi, it's a gift. Similarly, aql is a gift. So, it, so my, 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 my appeal to the intelligent group of brothers, we're all here. Please, you are millionaires. Don't just use your aql to earn money. Think beyond that. See how you can study the deen and help your communities wherever you are coming from. That's so, so key. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire you to do that. So Naim bin Mas'ud, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm at your service. What should I do? He said, I want you to go back. He said, I want you to go back and I want you to bring harm to the, to the enemy who is sitting there for over a month and put us in this difficulty around Medina. He says, go, وَخَذِّلْ عَنَّا مَسْتَطَعْتْ Try your best to just dissuade them away from us. Right? Try, um, uh, try, so, try your best to push them away from me. And, فَإِنَّ الْحَرْبَ خُدْعَةً What's خُدْعَةً? Deception, right? Treachery. He says, harb, war is treachery. You're not smiling with roses, you're throwing an arrow at someone. So if you can deceive someone so that he leaves, great. Deceived, war is deceptive. Uh, we had a, uh, a, a, an amazing individual who, who did some courses here. MashaAllah. He was, uh, he's, he's taught uh, you know, courses in the most elite colleges and universities of the world. And uh, he was saying, MashaAllah, that the business class, uh, the, 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 the uh, coursework that is taught in, in, in Air Force academies and Army academies, like let's say West Point, for the officers, he was saying that a lot of that war strategy in reality, even game theory, right, is coming straight from the seal of the Prophet And he said this whole thing, Al-Harb Khuda'a is a very principal uh, uh, component of this whole uh, you know, war, theory, war, war strategy. That what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is saying is war is deception. And he said they actually study the, 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 the moves of Khalid bin Walid and those who came after them and they actually take you know, you'll hear, you'll hear this story. What I'm going to tell you right now about Nuhayman Masood, for if you're listening the first time, you'll be amazed. You say, oh my God, this is what today XYZ is doing. Exactly. Even the good and the bad, they, you know, every single thing, subhanAllah, Islam has pre presented it. In a bad meaning, I mean to destroy shar. They've used that to destroy us. They've taken our own techniques to destroy Islam. You'll see. So Nabi Alayhi said, war is deception, go. He goes. 
And he goes to number one, to Banu Qurayba, to the Yahud. And he goes to them, he said, لَقَدْ عَرَفْتُمْ لَكُمْ وَصِدْقِي You all know me. You know me. He said, you know how much I love you all, and you know how truthful I am in my well-wishingness for you. They said, نَعَمْ فَمَا أَنْتَ عِنْدَنَا بِمُتَّهَمْ Yes, definitely, we don't accuse you of anything, we trust you. What's up? What's going on? The Banu Qurayza. Remember, Banu Qurayza had access to Medina from the back end, and the Ahzab had come from the front. And the goal was to crush the Muslims from both sides. So, uh, the, he told them, إِنَّ قُرَيْشُ وَغَطْفَانَ لَهُمْ فِي هَذَا الْحَرْبِ شَأْنٌ غَيْرَ شَأْنِكُمْ Ghatfan and Quraysh who've come from outside, don't think you all are on the same page. And let me explain to you. Like, what, what is that supposed to mean? That we're not on the same page. We are, we have one common enemy. They said, no. This Medina is where you live. Your wealth, your children, your wives and daughters, all are over here. However, and you cannot leave. You cannot leave this place. Medina is your place. Where are you going to go? And those who came from outside, this is not their place. They've come to war against the, the Muhammad Wasallam. If they win, then okay, you all can, you know, have Medina to yourself. But if they lose... They all simply have to what? Run away. And you all are going to get stuck here. And they're going to get to your wealth and they're going to cause harm and you're going to be destroyed. And Quraysh and Ghatfan are just going to run away back to Mecca. Did you ever think about it like that? They actually are using you. They're using you by a war by proxy. You know, you're like hired militia. That's it. They have nothing to lose. They don't care about you. They, they said, oh my God, we never thought about it like this. So what should we do? He said, okay, what you need to do is you need to demand from them that they need to give some of the main men, some, some noble, the nobility of Ghatfan and Quraysh. You want to ask 50, 60, 70 people from amongst the 10,000 crowd, and you say, we want them to be here. We would like to take care of them. They will be our collateral. When the war is over, and the battle is over, mashallah, you take them. But if you try, you dare run away with leaving us to face Muhammad himself, and ourselves, then we, we're going to keep this as a ransom. So they said, this is a great idea. Jazakallah khairah. We'll work on this. <laughs> then he goes to Abu Sufyan. He goes back to the non-Muslim camp. They don't know he's a Muslim. He goes back to the non-Muslim camp and he tells Abu Sufyan, who's a leader at that time, Abu Sufyan, you know me, of course. He says, you know, I wouldn't do anything wrong. Of course not. He says, okay, I got some news to share with you. But this news, you have to make sure that you never tell anyone that I've shared this with you. I'm sharing it, you know, uh, under the table, make sure it doesn't come back to me. He said, okay, what's the news? He says, Banu Qurayza are very upset that they have allied with you against Muhammad. And they feel really guilty about it. And they've wrote a letter and have spoken to Muhammad Wasallam to say that, you know, we're very sorry what we have done. And we're worried about our own safety. So they want to make it up to the Muslims. So what they have made a pledge with the Rasulullah is to take a strong group of the nobility from Quraysh and Ghatfan, from you all, and hand them over to Rasulullah so that his companions can behead all of them. This is gonna happen. I got insider news. That the Banu Quraysh is gonna come and they're gonna demand from you people so that you, you can hand them over. They'll come up with some other story. God knows what story they'll come up with. But the real story is that they're gonna hand them over to Rasulullah and all of his nobility will be killed off, culled. He said, I can't believe this. This is crazy. Where'd you he said, this is the news. Khalas. So now Abu Sufyan said, I got to figure this out. Is this news true or not? So what he did, he sent his son. He sent his son and he went, go meet the, um, uh, the Banu Qarayla. 
and tell them that my father, it's been one month long, we've been sitting outside of Medina, nothing's happening. We want to have a discussion. So ask, my father is asking for a group of delegates from you to come visit him in our camp so we can talk. They said, ah, not so fast, not so fast. Thank you for coming here. We're not sending any delegates, number one. Number two, we're not going to even support you on this war from today unless you choose to send, first of all, 70 or 60 people from Ghatfan and Quraysh to us first. So his son went back to uh, the father and said, this is what they're saying. He said, okay, this news of Nu'aim and Masood was so true. I can't believe it that this is what these people have planned. So they sat together, they discussed, and they said, absolutely not. We will not even send one goat as a collateral. Forget about a human being. We're not going to send any. These people are horrible. They said, Khasiya abna'ul qiladati wal khanazir. The sons of the, of the swine and the, and the monkeys, may they be destroyed. Wallahi law talabu minna shatan rahinatan ma dafa'naha ilayhim. We will not even give a single sheep or a goat to them. So now what happened? Then Abu Sufyan, uh, Nu'im and Mas'ud went to Ghatfan tribe, third tribe. And he went in and told the same thing. That Banu Quraidha is going to ask for a group of people from amongst you. By the way, I'm just letting you know. I'm one from amongst you. If you, if you turn them over, they are going to hand them over to Rasulullah to get called. So subhanAllah, within, with, within this short period of time, in a few hours time, what happened? He completely divide and conquer, right? He destroyed the alliances just by speaking ill to one, about one another and creating doubts about one another. Isn't this exact same story, exact same theory, exact same war strategies being used against the Muslims today? All over, all over the Middle East, Southeast Asia, exact same thing. Brother, I have my 100 million people are dying in my community. I just read a story, it broke my heart yesterday. About, I don't know much about Ethiopia and Eritrea and, and, and that area, but I, I just read in BBC, subhanAllah, 350,000 kids you know, are about to die any, any minute, right? And just talking about how starvation is the worst way of dying when the, when the body starts eating off of all the organs to simply keep the flicker of light on until all the organs slowly chip away whatever they can and then they all fail and the person dies. The most painful way to die through starvation, and the first are the little kids. 350,000 kids, you know, may die within, within days right now in that part. And subhanAllah, you're seeing, what's happening? Fighting, what are you all fighting for? Same, same back ethnicity, same area, same food, maybe a slightly different language. But you all do have a common language as well. But what has happened? Arms are being sold to them. Jets are being sold to them. And they've been created ways of trying to create fights. SubhanAllah, amongst them, in the khalas, you kill each other. That is happening. This, this, this strategy is being played out every part of the world. Every part of the world. But subhanAllah, it's, it's, you know, we don't see that. The same, we are the ones who came up with the strategies. And now they are, they are being used against us. SubhanAllah. So this was one major incident that happened. And the next major incident I want to share with you from this story of, of Khandaq was the story of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiallahu anhu, he says that they were sitting one, one of these nights uh, around Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam the, the wind it was extremely bitter cold wind and it was a, a very uh, a very uh, much 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 hunger and the munafiqun one after another saying I'm sorry peace out I'm leaving in aura we talked about this previously uh, you know we got to look after our wives and our kids they're in Medina we don't know what's going to happen they who may attack them so they kept on coming up with excuses to leave and it it, it ruins the morale when one after another, when people start leaving, it ruins the morale. So, so as they were started leaving, 
Nabi Salam, what did he start doing? He started walking around the Sahaba who were still there. Okay? And the Prophet والسلام, he said, Is there anyone who can go to the disbelievers and bring me the news from there? No one stood up. They were too cold, too hungry, too weak. The Prophet is saying, Bhai, who's gonna stand up? Imagine that. Nabi والسلام, is asking, and no one has the ability to stand up. Eventually, the Prophet والسلام, he says, Hudayfa says, he came to me. He said, I, had, I was freezing cold and I was clinging to the earth. I had nothing except for a very thin shawl that only covered up to my knees. That's it. The Prophet came to me, I was curled up on the ground. He said, Man hadha? Who is this? I said my name, Hudayfa. And then he said, I even cling to the earth even further, hoping that I would not have to stand up due to the intense hunger and the intense cold. My dear friends, you know these are not people like you and I. These are people who would gladly sacrifice their lives for Rasulullah, would give their heart to Rasulullah, would give their kids, their wife to Rasulullah. But it was just. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this. That's why this surah is so long, talks about this. Balagatil qulub al hanajr. Right? It was so much fear. Zulzil al mu'minun. Hunali kaptuli al mu'minun wa zulzil zizan shadida. It was a very, very, very tough battle. Over a month, it's not one day. You're wondering, subhanAllah, we're doing tafsir for five weeks, we're still here. Brother, that was one month long. Think about that. Over 30 days long, hisar. You know, surrounding this Medina. Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Get up. Innahu kainun fil qawmi khabrun. There's something's gonna happen on that in that end. Something's gonna happen right now. I want you to go swiftly enter there into their ranks. and bring me the news of what they're speaking about. Meaning, the Prophet knew that some big plan is gonna take place there now, and we need to be aware of it. So Hudayfa says, I left Rasulullah's gathering being the coldest. Being the coldest I've ever been and being the most scared I've ever been. Coldest and scared. And then the Prophet ﷺ made dua. Allahumma hafadhum min bayni yadi. Ya Allah, protect him from the front. Wa min khalfi from the back. Wa an yameeni wa an shimali from the right and from the left. Wa in fawqihum in tahti from above and below. Fawallahi ma tammad da'watun nabi. Hatta antaza'a Allah min jawfi kullu ma oja'a fihi min khawf. He says, I swear by Allah, as soon as Rasulullah ﷺ completed this dua, every ounce of fear was removed from my heart. And every single small amount of cold that was in my body was immediately removed. The fear evaporated. The cold went away. When I went towards the army, Nadani, the Prophet called me back. And he said, Ya Hudayfa, do not, do not do anything ever when you go there until you come back to me. Don't make any moves. I'm asking you to simply go watch and come back. Right? Now you see how Hudayfa understood these words of Rasulullah. And he followed it to the T. He didn't make any moves. Hudayfa said, I began to walk and, and, and crawl through the darkness until I entered the mushrikeen's uh, tents or the area. And I became like one of them. It wasn't, it was just a little bit of time sitting around there. Abu Sufyan stood up and he said, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh. Oh, the men and the group of Quraysh, I'm about to share with you a very big secret. I'm scared that this is going to reach Muhammad. Every one of you should look who's sitting next to him. We've got to make sure there's no spies. 
Okay? So, go check who's there. Allahu Akbar. فَمَا كَانَ مِنِّي إِلَّا أَنَ خَطُّ بِيَدِ الرَّجُلِ الَّذِي كَانَ عَنْ جَانِبِي وَقُلْتُ لَوْ مَنْ أَنْتِ فَقَالَ فُلَانَ بِنِ فُلَانَ He says, Hudayfa said, as soon as he heard Abu Sufyan said this, he grabbed the guy next to him and said, Hey, who are you? <laughs> so now, what is he going to say? He's going to say, oh my God, obviously this guy, he grabbed my hand, he's asking, who am I? He's definitely not the spy. Right? Now think about that. Look at the intelligence and the, for and, and the, intelligence and the wisdom that Hudayfa has at this time. He makes a move like that. Right? This is why, you know, you can't do the work. I mean, you can't, if sometimes you don't have aql, you can cause major harm, major harm, especially in occasions like this. Right? Yeah, that's just the reality of it. So Hudayfa ibn Iman radiallahu anhu, he did this. That person, he kept quiet. According to some narrations, the man next to him was Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan. Abu Sufyan Sa'ad was not a Muslim. And on the other hand was Amr ibn al-As, Allahu Akbar. The most, second most intelligent man or, you know, amongst, at that time, non-Muslims. And of course, Allah SWT took great work from him, the conqueror of Egypt. So then Abu Sufyan gave a khutbah. And he said, Oh, Ma'ashar Quraysh, إِنَّكُمْ وَاللَّهِ مَا أَصْبَحْتُمْ بِدَارِ قَرَارٍ He said, right now our situation is bad. The wind has come. Our, our tents are being uprooted. Our animals are running away. Banu Quraiva has backed out. And we cannot handle this. فَارْتَحِلُوا فَإِنِّي مُرْتَحِلُ I'm going. That's it. I am leaving. He's Abu Sufyan. He said, I'm done. One month we haven't been able to do anything. And he, he stood up to his camel. And he untied the rope. And he sat, sat on it. And the, he started moving. Basically trying to say, end of the war. I'm leaving. You all want to fight, fight. So Hudayfa radiallahu said, I had Abu Sufyan in, in, right in my vision, right in my scope. I could have easily taken an arrow and finished him. He's, he's standing alone there on his camel. And, no, and I'm in the back, it's dark. I could have shot an arrow and killed him. He's, but all of a sudden I remembered what Rasulullah had said. Don't do that. Think about that. Abu Sufyan, how Allah took the work of deen from him afterwards. Had he killed him on kufr, what would have happened? Right? So you understand here about سَمِعْنَا وَطَعْنَا Even if things don't make sense to us. When, it, when, it, when our elders tell us things, subhanAllah, we, take, we listen. If we know, if we have trust on them, then we have to listen and we don't try to do our own thing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these two major stories I wanted to tell you how Nabi Hudayfah then came back and shared with Rasulullah The Prophet was performing salah. When he saw him, he became so happy. And eventually he gave him his, his thawb. If I, remember, if I remember the hadith correctly, if I remember correctly, he says that as soon as I came back to the Muslim camp, all of a sudden, the cold came back to me. And, and seeing me shivering, Rasulullah gave me a, a shawl. What happened? Mission accomplished, 007's mission is accomplished, and all the, all the uh, utensils are, and everything is taken back now, all his tools, you know? I mean, that's, this is what it is. You're on a mission. Allah will give you all the tools you need. When the mission is over, you get the tools back. Subhanallah, this, is, this, is, this story I've shared here when I was encouraging our Ansar you know, to get up and get ready for doing something. This is subhanallah, a beautiful story for all of us to remember. When sometimes you might feel that you're not fit for something, but if you're being asked to do it, and they say, ke Allah ki madad hoti, right? uh, Allah's assistance is with those who are weak. If you say, Allah, I can't do this. I can't do this, but I'm being asked and no one else is ready to do it. Bismillah. Right? I'm, ready to, I'm ready to take this on. Not because, look at Hudayfa didn't have anything. He didn't even have clothing to cover his body. But you, Allah does not need to give you clothing to keep you warm. Allah does not need to give you arms to keep you safe. This is what this story is teaching us. When you have the help of Allah, then Allah will give you protection with means, without means, and against means. This is the iman that is supposed to be created from this story in our hearts. Whenever there is an effort of deen taking place, you're, you're being asked to make sacrifice, don't shy away. As majority will. Majority will say, my wife, my kids, my cold, my feet, my this, my that. 
you need to stand out like Hudayfa ibn Yaman radiallahu anhu and to say, inshallah, ana musta'id, I'm ready. If, if the deen is asking me, you know, as they say, kaam aap se liya jayega, right? Mona Ilyas' story I shared before, when he saw the dream in Medina, uh, that if he came, he wanted to live in Medina. Then he saw that dream, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is coming and telling him that Allah will take the work from you, go back to India. No, I left India to be in Medina, I want to live. Medina, what better place than Medina? And now the dream is telling me, go back to Medina. He goes back to his teacher, he says, what can I do? I, can, I, I stutter, I'm so skinny, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, don't have, I don't have charisma. You know, what am I supposed to go do? And his ustad and sheikh told him that what, what was the dream? The dream, what did Rasulullah tell you? He didn't say, you go, go do X, Y, Z. He said, Allah will take the work from you. We would say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take the work of deen from you. He's going to take it. What are you worried about? How it's going to happen? You submit yourself to Allah. He said, here I am. Labbaik. And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it? Let him take care of it. It's not your problem. That's a mentality we should all have. Don't say, stop saying, I can't speak. I'm, I'm, I'm too poor. I'm fulan. I'm this and that. These are all yani, shaitani excuses. Okay? These are all shaitani excuses. Every single one here is capable of doing the work of deen. Everyone is capable of doing the work of deen. Work of deen is very general. It's very general. But stop shying away from it by explaining that you have this excuse and that excuse and etc, etc. No, don't say that. Submit yourself to Allah. And remember, Allah doesn't need you or I. If you keep on shying away, then Allah will say, okay. What does Allah say? وَأَنْتُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ I'm not going to force you to be a Muslim. I'm not going to force you to have iman if you don't want it. Allah says in the Quran, I'm, I'm not going to stick it to you if you don't want it. If you don't want it, I'm not going to give it to you. You have to beg for it. You have to die for it. Then maybe Allah will give it to you. Not the other way around to say, Oh no, no, I don't want to be a scholar. I don't want to be a khadim of the deen. I don't want to be a mu'adhin. I don't want to be that. Okay, guess what? You don't need, no, you're not needed. I'm not needed. This is an honor if Allah gives you the ability to serve the deen. So fight for it. Beg from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it. Stop complaining and whining about saying, I don't have this, I don't have that. My dear friends, you might be thinking that you're being humble. In reality, you and I are criticizing what Allah has given us. Don't criticize what Allah has given you. Instead of saying, Ya Allah, this is what I've got. What did our teachers tell us? Qubuliyat mango pele, pir qabiliyat. Qubuliyat jab aajayi, to qabiliyat khud ba khud aajayi. Ask Allah for acceptance. Once Allah accepts you, then qabiliyat means isti'adat. Abilities will Allah will give you. The first thing you have to ask Allah to accept you. Once Allah accepts you, then automatically all the tools will start coming into place. You get what I'm saying? All the tools that you need. The same 007 example, you don't just go say, let me go shopping around online. First you get into that position, get accepted by the government to be that agent. Then the government will provide you whatever is required for the mission. You don't go start going buying the black market, all the things first. Then you start to say, here I am, can you please choose me? Doesn't work like that in the world, right? Similarly, it doesn't work like that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First you get accepted by Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide you. Now let's move on. After we've covered all these beautiful stories, Allah Jalla Jalalu says, Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pushed back all of these people with their rage. Why, why were they angry? Because they were not able to fulfill their mission. They came to destroy Islam and Muslims. Alhamdulillah, they were not able to do anything, any harm. And they went back towards uh, Mecca. Yeah, uh, you know, Khaib uh, Khasir lost. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, This is amazing. Allah says, Allah, He relieved the Muslims from fighting. To be sufficient. I'll do Urdu tarjuma. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala musalmanu ki taraf se kifayat kar gaya qital ke silsile mein. Ladai ke silsile mein Allah kafi ho gaya. Allah, He took care of the responsibility of fighting. He played the fighting part. Meaning the Muslims were safe from fighting. What do you learn from this? That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to assist you, from beginning to end, He'll take care of everything. You just need to ensure you get His assistance. Even the active part of fighting doesn't need to be done from you. 
Husbands and wives are fighting today. Mom and dad are fighting today. Parents and children are fighting today. There's so much fire within our homes all over. What is the solution to this? Solution to, uh, is that every partner, every person, every player in this relationship needs to turn to Allah. That's it. Ask Allah, Ya Allah, please. I'm, I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of, you know, every single day this issue happening. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, please end this. Remove this haqd. If Allah can push away an army of 10,500 plus who came to destroy the Muslims, through what? He sent down an army that you couldn't see. What was that army? Wind and angels. But wind also was a huge army. Why cannot Allah remove the anger and the rancor from the husband, from the wife, from the mother-in-law, from the father-in-law, from the son-in-law? Why not? And from the daughter, from the son. All of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can remove. But the solution is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking for help. Okay? So, kafallahu al-mu'minin al-qital is a very beautiful ayah for us to think about. Allah is sufficient. When you say, Upon Allah we should rely. Upon Allah we should have trust. No matter what the situation is. Why should you have trust in Allah? Why will Allah take? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful. Overpowering. Right? These are the powerful names of Allah. Oh, most powerful or, or uh, oh, most overpowering. If you want to invoke Allah's strength and power, use these two names. Ya Qawiyu Ya Aziz. Really beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to invoke Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assistance. You're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you from the evil. Right? And you could say, Ikfi anna sharr al hasideen. Right? Ya oh Allah, keep, protect me from the evil of the hasideen. Ya Qawiyu Ya Aziz. Ikfi anna sharr al mufsideen, sharr al mubghideen, sharr al zalimeen, sharr al mubghideen. Oh Allah, protect me from the evil of those who harbor jealousy against me. Protect me from the evil of those who harbor rancor against me. Protect me from the evil of the uh, wrongdoers, from the oppressors. These are beautiful du'as that have been passed down you know, from the scholars. Okay. Next, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنزَ الَّذِينَ He made the, the, uh, the Banu Quraiva, the Yahud, what did he do? He brought them to their feet, he brought them out from their, uh, from their protective palaces, and the long story of how eventually they were all exiled. Some of them were killed, and the rest were exiled out of Medina for good. And they were exiled all the way to Khaybar. And then eventually, Allah SWT is speaking about this in the Quran, that even Khaybar later on came into the hands of the Muslims. So last week we talked about how Rasulullah Sallallahu was in the Khandaq, he was hitting the big boulder and the three sparks came out and he talked about the prophecies of the future conquest, yeah? And the people are laughing, like what are you talking about? Well same thing over here, the Quran clearly is telling us that you are gonna conquer some lands in the future. When you read these type of incidents, what should happen to you and I? Our iman should increase. That is why it's important to read the prophecies of Rasulullah. That is why it's a really good thing to read through the signs of the Day of Judgment. Really. Why? Because not to come up with some conspiracy theories, but instead to say, how did the Prophet ﷺ know about this 15 centuries ago? That means he is genuinely a prophet of Allah. And the Quran is a true word of Allah. That's why I, I recommend that people should keep a habit of reading through the signs of the hour. And then you keep on reflecting. Hey, how did he say this? So long ago, must be that he is the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, one of the things that, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that is mentioned, subhanAllah over here, is just something, something to think about. How we should always be, you know, we've, we've come to the end of this um, 
uh, this section. But it's just, it's just the fact that how we should constantly be surrounded by people who are going to be giving us good company. You'll see the incidents over here. You'll realize how, you know, you have these two groups of people, the Sahaba and the non-Sahaba. Allah created into two categories, believers and non-believers. That's it. So wherever we may be today, we should always try our best to find people who are on higher ground and try to connect with them. Even though you and I may not be at that level so high spiritually, but try to find yourself in the company of those people who when you speak about deen, they're interested. Or rather, they interest you. You know, my friends, there are certain people, subhanAllah, you speak about Islam, deen, all of a sudden they will be on their phone immediately, look down on their phone. You speak about Islam and deen, they'll, they'll say, brother, I don't know what you're speaking about. And they will literally zone out. They'll say, oh, so what's for dinner? What, you know, oh, did you hear about the gas prices? Did you hear about this, that? It's sad, you know what I'm speaking about. You're, as soon as you speak about Islam or deen, they shut off. And as soon as you speak about the stock market, Bitcoin or whatnot, they'll, they'll go till two hours speaking on and on. The hearts are turned away from the deen. And this type of company is very dangerous for us to keep. This is very dangerous for us to keep. Such people that when you speak about Islam, you speak about Quran, then they are not interested. Many of us sitting here, we have friends like that. And you say, well, um, you know, I'm trying to work on them. Believe it or not, many times they're working on you more than you're working on them. And that's the reason why we have such a, uh, we have so hard time having istiqama. Istiqama. You know, on, on something simple and small. Istiqama is so important. How are you going to get istiqama and steadfastness on a'mal? It's through having the company of people who are going to be encouraging you. Right? This is my advice for, all, for myself and all of us. Find such people who will say, this dars on Tuesdays, we're never going to leave. You know, you're seeing a lot of people today. But subhanAllah, more than 80% of this crowd is from out of state. Okay? So this is a sad day for, for us again, for the people of Chicago. Wallahi, very sad day. And it continues to be sad. And Allah is showing the people of Chicago that Allah doesn't need you. Allah doesn't need you. You want to live down the street and Allah will deprive you. And there will be people who come from the other end of the country to benefit. This is how the system is. So the people need to, why is this happening? Because we're hanging out with the wrong crowd. Why is this happening? It's because we don't have the commitment. We're not friends with committed people. If you're friends with committed people who will be say that whatever happens for sure, I'll never miss a dars, then you won't miss it. It's not just about this dars. Anything. Take something simple and small and stick to it. Your local imam has a Friday night tafsir, go attend that. Your local you know, program on a Monday night have something, stick to those things. And you're not going to be able to stick to it until you surround yourself with people who think like that. So that one day you're feeling lazy, they'll message you. And one day, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're excited, inshallah, you'll be able to grab them. So for those of you who are from out of state, mashallah, do the same thing when you go back home. Whatever programs you're having in your community, you have to be a part of that. At least one program every single week. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the wives of the Prophet that, look, every one of you have desires. You can, you want, we all have desires of, the, of, of dunya too. It's natural. Allah Himself says in the Quran, Zuyina lilnasi hubbu shahawat min al nisa wal banin wal qanatir al muqantara min al dhahab wal fidda wal khayr al musawama wal anam wal harf. Thalika mata'u al hayat al dunya. Wallah inda husna thawab. Allah says, all of these following things which I just read for you have been beautified for you. What is beautified for you? Hubbu shahawat. The love of, of lustful things. What, what, like what? Min al nisa, women. Wal banins, having sons. Insane amounts of money. Not some insane amounts of money. Huh? Gold. Wal-fidda, silver. Okay? musawama Top-notch horses, or what we call today Ferraris. Right? The horse? Right? Musawama. A very nice horse. 
livestock, farms. Allah says all of that is the small enjoyment of this worldly life. Wallahu What is it? Ma'ab or thawab? Huh? Is it thawab? Yalla. Ma'ab? We got thawab and ma'ab too. Because I was confused by self I'm asking. I got thawab and ma'ab. Who's the tiebreaker here? Huh? <laughs> okay. Wallahu عنده husn thawab. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has husn thawab, the best of reward. Much better than this. A youngster, I invited him, told him to come to the one-year program or come to the deen intensive. He said, oh, Shaykh, you know what? I feel myself, I'm drifting away. I'm really going towards the dunya and I'm, you know, I'm really becoming too career-oriented, too much focus on wealth. I recited this verse of the Quran to him. I said, this is normal. This is meant to happen. If you don't make an extra effort, it's like, how come I wake up in the morning? Interesting, I have a bad stench in my mouth. Hmm, I wonder what's going on with me. Nothing's going on. If you go to sleep and you wake up, you have to brush your teeth and do miswak. That's natural, okay? If you don't brush your teeth, you don't do miswak and you're wondering, hmm, what's wrong with me? How come my breath is stinking? That's natural way Allah created you. That's what's going to happen. So the attachment to the dunya is natural. You, what are you doing to counter that? What are you doing to counter that so you don't become a slave of the dunya? You have to get yourself in an environment like this. You have to attach yourself to knowledge, attach yourself to the masjid, otherwise you will become like that. So don't sit there and say, hmm, how come I'm all of a sudden becoming so fixated on dunya? That is exactly what's gonna happen to any one of us if we don't stay in this environment. Coming here is, is so, so important. So now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the whole ummah, through the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, Kulli azwajik, tell your wives, right? It's as though the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Allah is telling the Prophet sallallahu wives that, you know, you should, you should feel bad about what you just did. He's your husband, not just Nabi. He didn't say, Yanisa and Nabi, the wives of the Prophet. He said, azwajik, wives of, of, of the husband. Your, this is your husband, not your Nabi, basically. He is Nabi, of course, but on top of that, he's your husband. So make sure you do not ask him for something which he cannot give. And do not, you know, Put him in a situation where he feels bad saying no. Nabi salam, he wanted to lead a life that is far, far away from the luxuries of this dunya. He wanted to give a, a beautiful example for the poorest of this ummah to say, this is my Nabi. Otherwise, if Nabi salam, halal, lived it up, had a nice comfortable home, whatnot, what would happen? Anyone who was below that level would immediately say, oh, Islam is for the rich. See, that's what it is. Islam is for the rich. I'm not, so that's why don't tell me about it. Now, no one in the entire Chicago, entire United States can say he has less than the Prophet They can't. If you look at what Rasulullah had and the type, of the type of household he lived in, subhanAllah, none of us can ever say, oh, I have, I have a difficult life on, on, on whatever. Nothing. You cannot say anything. Whether you're on medical aid or you're on food stamps or a person is, is even under a bridge in America. We definitely have more than what Rasulullah had in terms of belongings and things of this world. SubhanAllah. There's no doubt about that. So Nabi salam, when he saw that they're asking for new clothing, bigger home, etc. It's not haram. But he said I, he didn't want people to start thinking that this is what happens. You, you follow the deen and then through the deen you become rich. That the deen is how you become rich. Right? That's a very bad signal that we're, sometimes we give to the people. You know, there's no problem. I, we have this conversation very often with our students. You can, you, can, you can lead a beautiful life, comfortable life, as much as you want, no problem, if you want to, as long as it doesn't go towards israf and extravagance. But do not make the deen the stepping stone to it. That's worse. You'd rather not come to madrasa than that. If you make the de deen your maksab, to make deen the way to earn your dunya is the worst possible thing. 
to take deen to say that through this I'm going to become a millionaire. Through this I'm going to lead up a very luxurious life using the deen. That's, that's incorrect. Instead, lead a normal basic life that a person can through deen. If a person wants to go beyond that, then look for other ways. Look for other means of kasb, look for other ways of business and, and so forth. <clears throat> so, and the Prophet ﷺ, he told his wives that, you know, this is what it is. You have to choose. You have to choose me or you have to choose the wealth. Straightforward. And who can, you know, who can say that? The one who loves the akhirah to that degree, he'll be able to put his foot down. It's mentioned regarding uh, Sa'id bin Amr radiallahu anhu. His wife asked him to give him this and that. So he told her, I'lami ayyatuhal mar'ah. He says, I, please do not go repeat this at home, okay? And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just sharing with you what was here. So, and, and they say, <laughs> no point of repeating, repeat with, with caution. The, the only purpose of this, what I'm sharing with you, the story is that when a person, when he values akhirah, truly, then he can easily put his foot down on anything. So he's, she's asking for this and that. And he says, He says, Indeed, O oh my wife, Indeed, in Jannah, there are such dazzles that Allah has created. If even one of them were to look upon this earth, the, the, the nur from her face would overtake the nur of the sun and the moon together. If she were to just simply peek, peek behind the curtain, peek behind the door opening into this world, the sun and the moon would have been eclipsed. He said, I would rather sacrifice you to get them than sacrifice them to get to you. What is them referring to? Akhirah. The pleasure of Allah. Huru'een is not maqsood. Huru'een is part of the package that comes in Jannah that comes through the pleasure of Allah. That's the reality of it. Subhanallah. When a person says, you know, let's get, get this, your wife and kids and, and our, our ourselves. Our, we want a desire. But I don't have the money for it. So let's get a haram loan. Let's get an interest bearing loan to get it. Let me get from haram. That's where the shahawat come in to all of us. And we have to know how to put our foot down and to say, I love myself, I love my wife and love my kids, but not at the price of bringing fire into my grave. Not at the price of losing Allah's pleasure. It's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Who can say that? We're not saying that. Unfortunately, I think most of us are losing, the, losing this battle every single day. And it's not the battle against our wife and our kids. Who is it a battle against? Our nafs. First of all, we're losing it against us. That subhanAllah, I want, I, want to, I want to do that, but I don't want to miss my fard salah. I don't want to miss my salah with jama'ah. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss uh, you know, uh, my fast. I don't want to miss my vikr. I don't want to miss my tafsir. Yes. This is what Shaykh, this tafsir I quote to read from you, tafsir Nabulisi. This is his weekly tafsir, by the way. You know, mashallah, weekly tafsir. That's why it's beautiful tafsir. It's, it's, it's like a dars that he gives in his masjid. Majzahullah uh, khairah, Shaykh Dr. Ratib Nabulisi. But he talks about it a lot. He talks about so much about attendance, weekly attendance. And I don't know what day his dars used to be. But that's, that's the whole idea. So you revolve, your nafs says, I gotta go somewhere. He says, no, but I committed this to Allah. I don't care what happens. I committed this day to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this evening to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is gonna come between me and that. That's the way, when we start making these decisions, then Allah's nusra will come. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam laid it out to his wives as well. That you choose me, or you choose, you know, uh, the dunya, but you can't have, you can't eat the cake and have the cake, right? Um, and so, uh, we need to, before you have this conversation at home, we have this conversation with ourselves. We have to keep on telling our, our people, you know, the, one of the most misused words out there, mo most misused and abused sentences out there is guess which one? 
Deen and dunya. Deen and dunya is the biggest jhoot, you know, false. We have to take our deen and dunya together. You didn't hear this? Brother, you have to balance the deen and the dunya. There's no balance. That's fake. That's false. It's 99% dunya and just the name of deen on it. 1% deen and they call that balancing act. That's not balancing act. You're drowned already in dunya. You want to drown yourself more and you're calling it balancing. Someone is trying to pull you out of that dunya. Someone is trying to pull me out. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to balance. What are you talking about? The whole car, this one part of the axle of one wheel is left on top. The rest is flooded into dunya. And now you're trying to balance it, bring it up. He said, no, no, no. Uh, you know, I'm good like this. Actually, bring the other one inside also. <laughs> right? So anytime a person wants to come study the deen, or you encourage him to study the summer, one week, this, that, immediately the deen and dunya card comes, pulls out. Balancing, balancing. This is what you call kalimatu haqqin uridu bil batil. Bai, say batil. Yes, you have to balance deen and dunya. But your intention, unfortunately, is not, is not right in this. Your understanding of it is incorrect. What is deen and dunya? SubhanAllah. Look at the Sahaba, man. Look at the Sahaba. That's why Hayatul Sahaba is so important for us to read. So, so, so important. I advise all of us here who are going through a crisis of faith, pick up Hayatul Sahaba. Hayatul Sahaba by Shaykh Yusuf Al-Kandalui, Rahimahumullah. Read the stories of the companions. That's what you call reading the story of the greats. When you read that, it will put you into perspective. I swear, come back to me and tell me if your heart doesn't change after reading that. I have felt this myself too. When you go through a situation, you pick up and read Hayatul Sahaba and you realize, you know what? Serious question. If any of the companions, forget Ashala Mubashara, forget Badri, forget any of the top-notch guys, and Tashnap, individuals, even if the, the more junior sahaba were to see me, would he seriously, seriously believe that I'm a Muslim? That's a question I have. Or would they just simply say, you're probably a munafiq, act like a Muslim, get out from here. And I, I'm not joking. I think all of us, if we were to read sahaba's lives and then ask this question, I think we would arrive at this conclusion. That a sahabi, if you were to come to my lifestyle, if you were to study my lifestyle, my house, my way of doing things, he would really say, you know, so when are you going to become a Muslim? You know, what are you waiting for? You know? <laughs> Because our lives are so, so, yeah, so, subhanAllah, not matching with Rasulullah. And the thing is, I'm thinking I'm doing something good because I'm looking at those who are, who've left Islam. So we're, look, we're looking at the wrong. Do, these are not people to compare with. These are not people to compare with. Yani non Muslims. Or people who are not coming to the masjid. Who do we compare ourselves with? To the Sahaba. When you compare yourself to the Sahaba, if you don't think of yourself a monafik, there's something wrong with you. I'm telling you that. If you don't think of yourself a monafik, that you haven't read the right chapters. We're reading the wrong book. So this is what the real deal is. What Sayyid bin Amr told his wife is what you and I need to tell our nafs. You cannot get everything. You need to learn how to put your foot down, oh nafs, and keep quiet. Right? We have to address our nafs like this. You cannot expect to fulfill all your lustful desires and then have sitting with the hurain in Jannah. It will never happen. It doesn't work like that. If you want the hur, you want the wine of Jannah, you want the clothing of Jannah, you need to give up haram now. Stop looking at haram, listening to haram. A person wants to listen to music, wants to deal with haram money, doesn't care about how he's investing, just as long as money is coming through. Then please, stop dreaming about Jannah then. Because you got your Jannah right here, you're not going to get over there. When a person does haram of this sort, how is he going to get Jannah? Unless Allah you know, sends him to hellfire first or forgives him. So this is what you learn from this story that even if it's the wives of the Prophet Allah has expectations. From the Prophet the Prophet had expectations. What did they do? They of course chose to say with Rasulullah Otherwise he said, Usarihkun, I will let you go. And then Allah says, If you want Allah and His Rasul in the hereafter, then remember, Allah has prepared for you a great ajr. 
So we have to tell our nafs this story of Jannah. We have to tell our kids. You cannot just tell your kids, by this is haram, haram, haram. Stay away from it. You also have to tell them there's beautiful Jannah. Give them the stories of Jannah, tarqib of Jannah, so they get motivated. We cannot always be talking about the snakes and the scorpions of hellfire. We must also speak about the beautiful things of paradise that Allah has prepared for every single thing. One gaze, you control it, Allah will give you the halawa of iman. One gaze, you control it, Allah will allow you to choose whichever hood you want to choose. That's, it's, not, it's not just take, 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 it's give and take. Allah wants to give you. He's saying, give up the haram over here and I'll give you great, great things over there. But the discussion of Jannah, unfortunately, is not very common in our homes. And so we don't even know what we're going to get out of it. So this is a great thing to have at home, ta'aleem, and discuss the stories that Allah has, Rasul has shared about of Jannah. And Jannah itself that the Quran describes in detail. Why is there so much description of Jannah? Because this, when you and I hear it, it creates within us this, this desire that I want that. It's supposed to. You're supposed to be excited for it. And then when you're excited for it, it becomes easy for us to make sacrifice. Ya Nisa and Nabi, Allah subhanahu wa tells the, uh, the, the wives of the Prophet listen, if any of you does a very open sin, open sin, any open sin, then you're going to get the, the sin twice, and you're going to get punished twice. And for me, that's not hard. It's very easy for me to double the punishment. And on the other hand, if you do ibadah properly, then I'm going to give you double the reward. What do we learn from this? We learn from this that if you and I are a leader, if we are the father and the head of the household, if we are a mother, we are, the children look up to us for, our, for their tarbiyah, if we are a teacher in a classroom, if we are an imam of a masjid, if we are you know, some, some, a person of some status, then remember the reward for what we do will be double and the punishment also will be double for what we do wrong. Because we are facilitating it for others. As a mother, if we lie, Allahu Akbar, to our kids about our, about our husband, or a husband speaking ill about his wife in front of the kids, so now, what has happened? Uh, you have not only done what was wrong, but also ruined the mizaj and the tarbiyah of the kids. And they're going to pick up from the parents what they're doing wrong. If a person is a, is a police officer breaking the law, is a scholar smoking, what's going to happen? You are facilitating. I'm facilitating sin. So the sin is double. On the other hand, as heads of households, as leaders in the community, if we do something good, what will happen? We will inshallah not only get the reward for ourselves, but everyone who follows in our footsteps also will get their reward. So there's some beautiful ahadith on this topic as well inshallah. Maybe we'll touch up on these two ayats next week as well uh, before we continue with that. Um, so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows myself and all of us to be inspired with what we read today, what we heard today. May He grant all of us the qualities of the Sahaba. May He grant us the jazbah, the iman, the sifat of iman of the Sahaba. May He grant us tawakkul and, and zuhud and qana'ah, the way the Sahaba were given. May He allow myself and all of us to squash our nafs and to prefer the akhirah over the dunya and to prefer the enjoyments of the akhirah over the enjoyments of the dunya. A few minutes of dhikr, inshallah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah 
لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا اله الا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم اتوب اليه سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك for those who are listening online just a reminder inshallah this friday evening we'll have a special uh, guest speaker uh, brother stephen jackson here inshallah for uh, a talk a round table discussion on his journey towards islam and we'll have some nasheed, some dhikr as well. The program will be from Maghrib to Isha, open to the entire community. Inshallah, for those who are listening online, if you can visit also if you're in the area. Otherwise, join us between Maghrib and Isha uh, this coming Friday. And then there's going to be a sisters-only program all Sunday long, alhamdulillah, from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Uh, so we can register for that. Inshallah, we'll have Sister Bilqis here. 
Um, and there's going to be a, a basketball camp for, for girls and adult women too who want to participate. Inshallah, this will be a good opportunity for many new sisters who have yet to come to the masjid, inshallah, to come. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make these programs of this weekend a means of hidayah for ourselves and all those who are coming, inshallah. Sakumullah khairan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول
الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين يا أيها الذين آمنوا قاتلوا الذين يلونكم من الكفار وليجدوا فيكم غلظة واعلموا أن الله مع المتقين وإذا ما أنزلت سورة فمنهم من يقول أيكم فمنهم من يقول أيكم زادته هذه إيمانا فأما الذين آمنوا فزادتهم إيمانا وهم يستبشرون وأما الذين في قلوبهم مرض فزادتهم رجسا فزادتهم رجسا إلى رجسهم وماتوا وهم كافرون أولا يرون أنهم يفتنون في كل عام مرة أو مرتين ثم لا يتوبون ثم لا يتوبون ولا هم يذكرون وإذا ما أنزلت سورة نظر بعضهم إلى بعض هل يراكم من أحد ثم انصرفوا صرف الله قلوبهم بأنهم قوم لا يفقهون الله سمع الله لمن حميده الله 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 أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين 
اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين لقد جاءكم رسول من أنفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم عزيز عليه ما عنتم حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف رحيم فإن تولوا فقل حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو حسبي الله لا إله إلا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم الله سمع الله لمن حمده الله 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 سمع الله لمن حمده الله 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 أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Uh, wanted to share that today, we, you know, from many of us are, might not be aware of all the programs that are happening. So I was just, I was here today, we had a candy assortment, I think, class for sisters. Um, and there was a flower bouquet making class. And then uh, there's a candle making class. All these type of classes that happen. Um, fruit arrangements, you know, how they have the edible arrangements. One of those type of classes. These classes are happening on the women's side. And mashallah, it's amazing to see people from so far, from, ne from Indiana, from Naperville, from Aurora, from Plainfield, Morton Grove, etc. coming. And they've never been here before. And when they come and they for this class, they enjoyed it. And then immediately, uh, they're asking, what else is happening over here? I was like, well, there's a tajweed class for women, adults. And there's a Quran class for this and that. So I was told today, some of the sisters right then and there, like, they're like, can you, we want to sign up and start the class right now. SubhanAllah. So from, you know, three, four sisters... Uh, themselves, their children, they got them signed up and they're able to benefit. The reason I'm sharing this is that there's so many various types of programs that are happening in the masjid besides our Tuesday night tafsir. And uh, it's a buffet. You don't know what, whatever is, there's something in the buffet for, to attract someone or the other. Our job is to offer all of that and hoping inshallah one section of the community who is not yet coming through these programs will come. And they don't just come for that event, but instead get completely connected to the rest of the programs and through the academic programs and so forth. So, um, our, our, for which our wives, if they're not aware, our daughters, they should be aware of this, mashallah, there's a whole section, you know, amazing group of programs that are happening over the summer for our sisters. So there's one program happening on Sunday um, from 10, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. all the way till 5 p.m. It's a basketball camp with Sister Bilqis, who's a very famous college basketball player previously. She's going to be spending the entire day here. It's in the... Uh, at the, in the gym just for sisters. So this is an awesome opportunity for us to get those girls and the women of the community who have not had an opportunity to come to connect with the masjid um, or connect with the institution here. Please share this message with them. This is on Sunday, uh, this weekend. And then similarly, Friday, I've, I just announced at the end of my the tafsir also, Friday we have, uh, between Maghrib and Isha, we'll have a roundtable discussion with uh, Brother Stephen Jackson, the uh, former NBA champion, inshallah. And the reason we're calling him as well is that he's a very big da'i. He's all continuously working, giving da'wah to others, other NBA players, current NBA players, past NBA players, and amongst that other people as well. So inshallah, we'll hear his story, his, his journey to Islam, and hopefully we'll leave all of us inspired that we also need to use our abilities that Allah has given all of us to further the message of Islam, to be inviting non-Muslims towards Islam, to inviting Muslims also towards Islam. Um, so this event is Friday, Maghrib Isha. Please try to reach out to all your contacts, those who usually don't come to programs. Inshallah, this might be one of those things that they will come. And then Saturday, there's a basketball tournament too. So, you know, uh, we'll have a bayan program here. Everything is done with the purpose of get, getting back. So inshallah, will be a talk by him and, and one of us after Salat al-Dhuhr before the tournament starts. We'll be breaking for all the salahs in the, in the tournament, of course, Dhuhr, Asr, etc. We'll have short reminders. So this is a way to get many of the youth who may not have yet connected to any masjid 
inshallah, this weekend hopefully becomes a means of them connecting. I'm asking all of you to share this message any way you can, inshallah, with as many people as you can. Um, and additionally, oh yes, subhanallah. You remember Brother Musa who came here during the retreat? You all remember him? Uh, right, Musa, and, uh, Musa and his brother Muhammad, Ali Muddin brothers, he gave this powerful talk on a uh, short reminder on the last day of the retreat. So mashallah, his son fell in love with this place. And he was so happy. He said, I fell in love, but my son, seven, eight-year-old, benefited so much from the mahol, from the environment. He said, I want him to spend a week, you know, possible another week over here. And I'm like, well, the retreat is kind of gone now. We have these classes going. How about it's a win-win relationship? You come here with your son. We'll let him benefit from some of the programs that are happening for the kids. And we can benefit from your expertise. So mashallah, he's going to be doing a one-week-long basketball camp for boys. And we have, uh, not for boys, for adults as well. So we have two. We have a post-Fajr one, after, right after Salatul Fajr. It's going to be a workout, along with basketball, but a lot of workout. So it's going to be for one week long, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. for one week, inshallah. Post-Fajr, Monday through Friday, uh, this coming next week. And then he'll have one for the kids, um, uh, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. for the children. So there's limited seats, like 30, 40 seats for that. So in the, the links have already been shared on the events WhatsApp group. Um, if you're not on the events WhatsApp group, please tell me right after Salah I can get you or Mala Farhan can get you on that group That way you can stay connected with all these links Emails will be sent out uh, again with all these links But the easiest is to be on the events WhatsApp group That will be easiest inshallah So um, I'm hoping we can get a group of us to join the post-Fajr um, Pray Fajr Salah and, and he's a professional basketball player, Division One basketball player And then he plays actually for uh, uh, Qatar and Libya and other countries overseas Basketball, so he's an awesome da'i Awesome da'i, mashallah. He'll be here with us this weekend too. And he's great at basketball too, alhamdulillah. So it's the best of both. I think it'll be great for our youth to hang around with someone, uh, hang out with someone like that for a week, inshallah, be a good inspiration for them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept all these programs that we're doing and allow it to become a means of more and more people getting connected to the deen, inshallah. Jazakallah khair.